Welcome to the Social Leader Podcast, episode 27, the podcast inspired by entrepreneurs, founders, faith leaders, innovators, volunteers, and visioneers from every walk of life. They are the social venturers among us, those who crave the entrepreneurial adventure of moving beyond charity to integrate and then operationalize their social priorities. Social leaders are the true leaders among us, I think, because they're forging sustainable solutions in order to solve our community's most tangled problems. Welcome to the Social Leader Podcast. I am Father Justin Matthews. And hey, real quickly, before we begin, I want to let you know that this podcast is presented by Reconciliation Services. We're a nonprofit social venture in Kansas City, Missouri, working to cultivate a community seeking racial and economic reconciliation to reveal the strength of all. And if you're inspired by today's show, and I think you're going to be, I have the most incredible guest coming up. And if you want to learn how to lead with greater creativity, authenticity, and impact, then you've got to check out my new online e-course, The Social Leader Essentials. When you enroll in this course that was published by Reconciliation Services, you're going to get access to over two and a half hours of leadership training that will help you adopt a social entrepreneurial mindset, root out bias in yourself and in your team, and embrace a trauma-informed, strength-based leadership style. And the coolest part of all of it, though, is that 100% of the proceeds from this e-course are used to fuel the social and trauma therapy programs at Reconciliation Services. So go to thesocialleader.org, check it out, and enroll today. We'd love to have you in there. Well, I am super excited to welcome the illustrious, the amazing the good friend, the RS board member, Dan Smith. Welcome, Dan, to the rec- to the podcast. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much. You know, I just want to say you do a really good job at this introduction thing. Like that was that was amazing. I just wanted to put that out there. Man, thank you, thank you. Well, maybe I don't know. Maybe I missed my calling. I don't know. Well, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> I was taking I was taking some notes. I'm just letting you know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, I'm taking notes on your work because you are one of the coolest founders in Kansas City. And I don't just mean that because I got some like bromance with how cool you are, uh, but because you're you are making stuff real. You are taking the social priorities around minority entrepreneurship and small business. You are enculturating them. You are making it happen in Kansas City like few others that I know of because you're the co-founder of the Porterhouse KC. And I'm super excited, you know, just to get into that and let people know what that is. You also host a podcast. The Porterhouse KC comes out six o'clock every Wednesday night, right? Absolutely. Yep. This All right. Is- it's on it's on Facebook or where else is it? Yeah. Facebook is our, our primary uh, destination. So the, uh, the Porterhouse KC uh, Facebook page. And we also do it on, on uh, uh, YouTube as well, but we don't get as much engagement on YouTube. So we really focus a lot on, on Facebook. So it's exciting. Right. Well, hey, speaking of engagement, if you're watching us live right now on the episode, feel free to make comments. We'll see if we can get your comments in there. We'd love to have you participate. But look, I want to jump into it. But before we get into Porterhouse KC, Dan, I want to just get to know you because 
you're from around Kansas City. You've been here a while. You've been on a really interesting leadership journey. But let's back up a little bit. Tell us about you. Tell us about some things that inspired you and helped you to become the leader that you are today, Dan. Well, I, first of all, I appreciate the uh, the kind words. I see Deron Cooper, D. Coop. Uh, what's up, my guy? He's he's tapped into us. Um, I uh, I grew up on uh, 33rd and Jackson. Uh, went to uh, uh, Milton Moore Elementary, which is a Spanish magnet elementary school. I, you would have thought that I've I would have come out of there learning or or being able to speak all kind of good Spanish. But I speak uh, muy poquito español, um, but that's, you know, it is what it is. Um, so, uh, yeah, I grew up in the mid midtown inner city. Um, not, you know, nothing too crazy. I graduated from Chipotle High School. Uh, I then went to a uh, few schools, but UMKC, I uh, pledged a, a, Greek, a Greek fraternity, uh, Kappa Alpha Psi, Yo to the News. Um, and I jumped into corporate America and decided that that wasn't what my calling was. Uh, and it kind of led me to uh, what we're doing now with, uh, with the Porterhouse KC. So it's a kind of a, a fast track into kind of where we are right now. Well, can you think back to, you know, you skipped over some of the most important stuff, Dan, because I want to get into it, man. We, I know we want to get to Porterhouse. But I want to know, like, what inspires you and a little bit about you? I mean, I know you're married. You got kids. Yeah. You're a family man. You've been working for uh, a while for full employment counsel. You just struck out on your own. We're going to go to that. But yeah. is there somebody in your life that you can think of that was like the exemplary, exemplary leader that, that really inspires you in what you do today? I think, to be honest with you, and I, you know, I don't want to sound any kind of way. Well, I'm inspired by my family. I'm inspired by my, my wife, my kids. I know this might sound cliche, but I am inspired by my wife. I am inspired by my, my boys, my, my two boys. Uh, inspired by my mom. She's a single parent. She grew, uh, she raised me and my brother uh, pretty much by herself. Um, I'm inspired by my grandfather. He passed away back in July, but uh, that was a source of my inspiration. His calm, cool collectedness. Um, you know, I have that, right? Like, I don't really get frazzled a lot about a lot of things. Uh, and he was like that. Um, so, yeah, I'm just really inspired by family. Uh, but as it relates to leadership, um, I try to, I've kind of made it my, I'm not going to say my life's work, but I, I made the, the, uh, I acknowledge that there are some really great leaders in the community uh, and, and, and beyond, uh, but I also I'm a rule breaker um, by nature. I don't know. Um, and I think that you learn the rules to break the rules. And a lot of leaders have done that. And I feel like that's kind of in, in the boat that I've, I've been in. I've not really been too keen on following others um, just because at the end of the day, you know, when you follow others, you 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 kind of put yourself in a in a in a in a hole, a pigeonhole. You know what I'm saying? Right. Same old, same old. Right. You got to break out. And I think entrepreneurs are great at that because, I mean, it's like adapting that old Napoleon Hill quote, right? Like every adversity carries within it the seeds of incredible possibility, but you got to go after it and you got to break out to go after it. 
what what about what you're doing and the trajectory you've been on is breaking rules because porterhouse kc is a new endeavor but it's growing fast you've gotten a, a bunch of grants from from kaufman and the the e-ship forward cities newest grant that you just got congratulations and now you've struck out full time on this thing so yeah. tell us about what it is what you do and how you're breaking the rules with the porterhouse kc in your leadership journey i just say that you know for me it's a matter of just doing uh right like uh, if you have a vision, you have a goal, um, you have some things that make sense. Sometimes some things does, don't make sense. Right. But uh, if you have a vision and a goal, you just kind of go after it. And I, I don't know if it's necessarily breaking the rules, but it is definitely going against the grain, uh, against what tradition would tell you to be the course or the path um, that you need to take. Um, so, I mean, we went out and, and, and like you said, we've been blessed uh, with. Uh, the relationships that we've had, um, that we've been able to build uh, with, you know, with Kaufman and with Forward Cities and, and all of these groups as Community Capital Fund, uh, obviously Chess Inc., who is our partner organization. Right. I mean, we've just been blessed to, to be put in, in the right spaces and, and, and to be in the right position um, to take advantage of, of, of the opportunities that, that presented themselves, right? So, right. you know, they talk about prior preparation prevents uh, poor performance. Um, and so we are trying ju to just prepare ourselves and put ourselves in the right space uh, to be ready for the opportunities that present themselves. So, yeah, I love that saying that says you got to you got to drill the well before you're thirsty. Right. You've got to yeah. be ready. So exactly. a lot of the entrepreneurs that you're working with um, are mostly folks from the urban core, and mostly you're focusing on minority entrepreneurs here in the region in Kansas City, both Kansas and Missouri side. Kind of give us the elevator pitch. What's the story with Porterhouse KC? What do you do? And, you know, tell us a little bit about how it gets tactical. Yeah. So, so Sharon and I, my co-founder and I, we, and, and along with the guys at Chess, we, um, you know, there's, we, we wanted to figure, we're serial entrepreneurs ourselves. We started a few businesses ourselves and um, none widely successful or anything like that. But we got to a space where uh, we wanted to, we had to step back and observe our surroundings. And what we were finding and what we were seeing is there, there were a lot of gaps, right? There were, there was this, we were in, start to be introduced to these communities and they start talking about Kansas City being the most entrepreneurial city uh, in the in the country in the nation and from where we come from we didn't see that right like we didn't see the supports uh, going to the east side of truth we didn't see the people that we support or that we follow uh, getting the supports that they needed to be successful um, we didn't we just didn't see that and we had amassed a uh, not a following but like a, a network of folks that we felt like could could help us in, in this endeavor. And what we decided, you know, the low hanging fruit is education. Um, so we wanted to bring in the, the, some consummate professionals and industries um, to provide kind of workshop style. Uh, we had, a, it's called a speaker series event uh, or sessions. And once a month we would invite a consummate professional in to come talk about different pieces of business. Um, be it law with Adrian Haynes, she did a couple for us, she's awesome. Yeah, she's amazing. Um, we had Gary Mitchell do some stuff on branding. We had Beecher Conley do some stuff on branding. Uh, we had Marquita Miller come in and talk about accounting uh, yep. and the importance of accounting. And, and not only that, 
uh, but she also sprinkled in some some storytelling, how to you know properly tell your story uh, and things like that. So we did this, and we did this for like two and a half years, almost three years straight, right. uh, a couple months off, and uh, we decided we can go a little deeper. Uh, we connected and, and uh, with some guys through the relationship that we started to build with Kaufman um, up in Cincinnati called Mortar. Uh, and those guys are doing some stuff that's kind of similar to what we see, we and envision. And so we connected with them and um, we, we wanted to start a class, a cohort. Right. So we could start actually teaching some of these things, these elements that we've learned a lot across the way, along the way. I have my master's degree. Sharon's been in business for a long time. And so these things that we've learned and along with this curriculum, we wanted to try to share with the folks, again, that come from the neighborhoods that we come from. So we end up, uh, like you said, getting the grants, uh, two grants from the Kaufman Foundation. And, and that was just um, amazing. Uh, it just kind of took us into uh, this other space. And we were able Before to we get to the other space. Oh, I don't want to I, I want to back you up just a minute, because the thing is, though, that you said something really important that I don't know that if everybody's going to get. You said that the people that you saw who were in the community in Kansas City and around the area who were small business owners or side hustlers or entrepreneurs who were trying to build things, you said that you didn't see them getting the resources that they needed. Okay, so what I want to do, though, is unpack that because I don't, you know, if I'm just listening, I might not get that. Right. Because we've got all sorts of entrepreneurial support systems. We've got all sorts of nonprofits. We've got all sorts of, you know, we're, we host Global Entrepreneurship Week, you know, in Kansas City. So who's not getting the resources? What resources aren't they getting? And most importantly, I mean, share the lived experience. Why? So I'm glad that you, that you, <laughs> that you stopped me. I could, you know, you could just go and go and go. Um, but I'm glad that you stopped me and, and, and went back. Um, there are so many areas um, of disconnect uh, between the business community and uh, the, the urban core. Um, a couple of those things are cultural value, right? Cultural value, um, lit, like you said, lived experiences. Like at the end of the day, I had to get uncomfortable. And I'm, I'm, I'll just speak for myself, right? Like, um, I am an introvert, believe it or not. Um, I've learned to to get outside of that space, um, but I am I am uh, born and bred an introvert. And I do kind of have a hard time believing that because yeah, you're kind of the life of the party in every room that I'm in. But we'll yeah, we'll, we'll take you on your word. You go ahead, keep going. So, so so yeah, so it's hard for me. It was hard for me to even communicate right and who I am and where I come from, what the business is that I. For the you know creating, um, and just just that piece, and then fear, right? The fear that you're ingrained with coming from the spaces that I come from. Like, I remember in school, and again, I'm just speaking for myself. I remember in school when I used to be asked to come up to a to a, um, a chalkboard, and chalk said chalkboard, whiteboard, whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah you're dating yourself, man. Yeah, What's chalk? To do to do math problems and you get kind of ridiculed sometimes by your classmates and things like that. And you start to feel like you're not uh, you're not good enough. Right. Or you don't have mm -hmm. it. In you. And you don't have anybody that's really pumping you up. Right. And you start to get it in your mind that maybe this is not for me. Maybe education is not for me because I can't understand it and I don't relate to it. And I don't like the feeling that I feel when I get ridiculed by it. Right. 
And so if you go through these these situations, and, I, and like I said, again, I'm just talking from my perspective. If right. You go through this time and time again, you start to feel some kind of inadequacies, right? You're not, you're not, you know, this is not for you, right? Maybe, maybe um, school is not for you. Maybe, you know, getting a job with a suit and a tie, you know, in corporate America, maybe that's not for you. Maybe only the only thing that is for you is, is working, you know, and not, I'm not saying that anything is wrong with it, but working uh, a nine to five somewhere, uh, you know, sacking groceries or something like that. Well, you know, maybe right. that, that that's what uh, is 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 the only thing that's what's there for you. Um, but again, so I had to get myself uncomfortable with talking to people, making sure not worrying about saying the right things or the wrong things, right? Not worrying about uh, how I look and who's judging me for what I look like and all those things. So I had to break down those barriers first, and then I had to also get up, be, become okay with uh, going into spaces that. I don't see people that look like me in, right? Um, right. And I can give you a couple examples. Like we've, we, I've been to networking events where uh, there were no no black people in there, no people of color in the in the networking spaces, and you know, kind of sitting in the corner because you don't know anybody, and it's not a an open, friendly environment, right? Because a lot of people know that know each other, but they don't know me, and so I had to get uncomfortable and to start introducing myself to folks. And letting them know who we are because it's for the greater good right it's not for me it's for my purpose right it's for the purpose in the view and so we got to a point where you know we're, we're getting put on stage now and, and everything else and we're you know living in in, in uh, fear right living through fear not in fear um, and so that's that's a big part of it but our goal is to break down those barriers and and get into the spaces and make people feel um, you know, get other people accustomed to what we are and my culture and what I look like and how I present myself rather right. than, rather than trying to change who I am to get into those spaces, right? And make them feel comfortable about who I am. Now, I need you to understand where I come from and who I am to be able to break down those barriers. And I think that's a part of what, what we're trying to accomplish too with the Porterhouse. Well, you said a ton there. I want to bring in a comment. Um, Deron Cooper actually shouted out and said Porterhouse KC has introduced me to a number of different people that I wouldn't have met otherwise. Thanks for co commenting. Um, hey, he, and you know, you're talking about that neck. Go ahead. What? You no, know, I was just going to say Deron has, he's, he owns a company called the ultimate game night. Uh, and he was, he had to make a major pivot. He was actually doing a lot of live events. Like everything he did was live in person. And then right. when COVID hit, he had to figure out, okay, now what do I do? Like, is there a place for me online, right? And now he's reinvented his business. He uses StreamYard like to a, a, a capacity I've never seen anybody use StreamYard to. He does get like live game shows virtually. I mean, it's it's crazy. It's What's crazy. his website? Let's shout it out. What's it? Do you know his website? It's the ultimategamenight.com, but he can share it if he's still watching. He can share yeah, it. Deron, if you're still watching, let, let me throw it up there. There, uh, let's see. We'll see if he comments in a minute, but you could probably Google it too. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that I want to unpack though, too, is that you talked about when you go to places, they don't feel welcoming to you as a black man, as an entrepreneur. Okay. So I want to get really specific about that. What does a, a group like an entrepreneurial support group need to do a better job of to make 
the space more safe, more welcoming, more culturally humble? What do they need to do? Break it down almost in a tactical way, which should be, by the way, I'm just a little editorial. We This should be like looking at our nose. It's stupid that we still have to talk about this. Forgive me. I think in, the, in 2020 that we're still thinking about this, but we live in a time when we're, 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 you know, even questioning the, the efficacy of, of any kind of, uh, cultural, you know, humility training, but, but talk, talk to us though, about that. What do you, what are you missing when you go into a space and what should folks who are running those spaces be doing to welcome in more entrepreneurs who are not from kind of the dominant culture and narrative? I'm actually going to change that. I'm, I'm actually going to come from a different perspective. Okay. Um, do it. I don't think that they change anything. I think we just become a little bit more comfortable in being uncomfortable, right? Now, there's, let me take, let me say that there's things that you can do to, to make people more inviting or, you know, you can, as the host of an organization, if you see some, some folks that are not, that are looking comfortable and not networking with folks, you can actually go up to them, uh, make them feel invited, bring them in, introduce them to some folks. I mean, there's other things that can, can happen, but I truly believe if you don't want something or if you feel uncomfortable about something, you're going to have to live through that uncomfortable uncomfortability and, and, and figure that out too, right? So it's not on, it's not all on the other organizations. It's also on, on you um, to get through that fear and just know it's okay to be afraid, right? It's okay um, to not have all the answers. Uh, but it's not okay to not challenge that fear, right? And to get through it yeah. and to, to just put yourself out there and introduce yourself to folks. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's just kind of, I don't, I, I mean, it's tough to tell an organization, hey, you guys need to do this, right? Uh, opposed to uh, getting with the people that I, that, that, that I target and that I help and that we connect with and letting them know and giving them the strength and motivation to be able to go out there and be comfortable um, speaking about what they do and who they are, you know? I right. So you're saying like on the one hand, we got to get comfortable with the uncomfortable, yeah. all of us. Absolutely. At the other side, you're also saying, look, just be you. I'm going to be me. Let's get proximal. Let's get to each other. In, you know, you're a board member at Reconciliation Services. I mean, obviously singing to the choir with me on that one. The whole point of Thelma's Kitchen was like, can we at least eat lunch in the same space? Can we bring together racial, economic, geographic, uh, every other form of diversity we can? And can we at least just eat lunch in the same space in an affordable, healthy way so that we can transform truce from this dividing line into a gathering place? But you don't have to do that in some big programmatic way, right? You can do that in every aspect of your life, but you're also doing something else. And real quick, before I jump to that, I want to I wanna run back to Duran threw up his website uh, UGNKC.com. Check it out. Check it out. Definitely. Duran, thanks for sharing that. Um, and then Sharon Thompson said, Hey, Hey, no fear. That's thank you. Thank you. That's my co-founder. Yeah. He's tapped in. That's my guy. That's awesome. You guys are doing incredible work really. Okay. But see, here's the thing. You guys are also doing something else. I don't think it's just you going to other places and working on that. You're actually doing, I'm going to use the word like enculturating. You're taking fireside chats. You're taking the entrepreneurial support system, kind of like memes and genes and translating them somehow 
to the folks that you're working with in the urban core and particularly to minority owned businesses and entrepreneurship. Um, talk about that because that's a whole work in and of itself. How does that flesh out? What does that look like in a practical, tactical way? You know, we are, we are creatives. Um, so we create, right? And, and we see, we, we have the, the benefit of living uh, and growing up and, and, and learning in two different spaces, right? Like um, you have the benefit of knowing your people, right? Knowing where you came from, knowing you know, your connections to the folks that you support and all that good stuff. And then you also have the benefit of learning what these other entrepreneur support organizations do or the entrepreneur ecosystems. Like, you, you know, you tapped into the, the, the Kaufman Fast Track program and UMKC and um, SourceLink and Startland and all these other folks that are on this other side and kind of see what they're doing. And you have the benefit of kind of blending some of those things together. We actually did one. Uh, and I brought up uh, uh, Startland. We actually did an event, Global Entrepreneurship Week, this past year, uh, right. and it was phenomenal. But it was the Porterhouse KC, and it was uh, Startland. But not only that, so like, we have a partnership with uh, the Mid Continent Public Library now, right? Right. We have a partnership with the Community Capital Fund now, right? We have a partnership with PlexPod, right? Where I'm at right now, we have a partnership with PlexPod, and right. so. What we're also doing is we're creating, so we talk about ecosystems, right? That's a popular conversation. Right. And everybody's trying to find a solution to how to bridge ecosystems and how to make them work. And, you know, in Kansas City, because, you know, our ecosystems are so like disjointed. Um, hmm. I think that the work speaks for itself. I think the conversations are cool, but I think the work matters even more. Right. So like you can sit on all these calls and these zooms and these video conferences and all this great stuff. And it's cool. But where's the work? Right. You know what I mean? And so you that's mean the work of the entrepreneur. Are you talking about the work of the city and its and its support the, system, the, the ecosystem support, for the, ecosystem. the minority entrepreneurs? That's what I'm talking about. That's what yeah. I'm talking about. And so, so that's tell what me a story though, Dan, about like when somebody's engaged with you and they finally tap into that support. You told us about one one friend of yours and one company who's who's rocked it. Um, I'd love to know about like another story of success where you've taken somebody who maybe I don't know, like just had a side hustle, didn't ever think they could build something, and now they're on the track, they're on the path. And and how did Porterhouse KC actually get them there? That's a good question. So. We just started our um, we just started our first cohort 13 about 12 weeks ago and we're actually going into graduation 13 weeks uh, and we've seen tremendous growth from the 12 entrepreneurs that are actually in our in our in our program we've seen tremendous growth from all of them and a lot of it is is not even based on the I mean there's some good stuff in the curriculum but a lot of it is based on uh, the community that we that that we're building right right. Like network and friendship and support, and I mean, right. so many things have come out of uh, out of this group. Um, and I'm not going to say because uh, you know we got some talented folks, and I think that we are the central reason for success or anything like that. Um, but I think we've helped, right? We we put ourselves in a position to sit, uh, and these folks like Deanna Munoz, she she has the um, 
the, the she was actually uh, on um, Netflix on um, the Queer Eye for the Straight. She was one of the the episode on Netflix. She's one of our participants. She's right. doing some phenomenal stuff. She has a great podcast that she's pushing. She's actually doing jewelry. She has a jewelry not line now. She started that. Wow. She started that within uh, uh, the, going through our program. Uh, we have Bliss, Bliss Books and Wine. They are an online bookstore. They are an online bookstore now. Their goal is to open up a space where they sell wine and books, right? And it's a vibe. Um, I would go there. That were, sounds awesome. They were highlighted um, a few weeks back on Oprah's book club because they did a highlight about bookstores across the country. And Oprah's book club reached out to them. And now they're a highlighted. They are a book club or a, a, a store that's highlighted in uh, on Oprah Book Club's uh, website. That was yeah, like- Yeah, but Porterhouse, Casey, you, just a second ago, you were kind of downplaying your role. I wonder whether or not that kind of national attention and just the kind of confidence and, and risk taking that it takes for an entrepreneur to step out like that. I wonder if that would have happened if it weren't for Porterhouse or you guys definitely played a role, right? And so- I think just we're, we're throwing the assist, right? Like we're the point guard. Sure. They are the superstars of, of, of what we're doing. So all we're Absolutely. doing, all, all we're doing is assisting. And um, I, I think truly think that the majority of our entrepreneurs would have uh, found similar successes. Um, however, I think that we are in a place where we can boost them, right? We're just giving a boost and assist. Right. And that's kind of where we where we sit and what we're trying to accomplish. And we're trying to break down those barriers too, right? The barrier to to to, to fear, uh, the barriers to uh, to entry in these different spaces. Uh, right. We introduced um, I had an opportunity to interview with the Kansas City Business Journal. Um, I put them in contact with the, the Kansas City Business Journal. So a lot of those businesses are going to be highlighted through the Business Journal. Um, one of our uh, one of our cohort participants, um, Alicia, she actually has a store on Truce, uh, and they're called uh, her store is called Unleashed. It's on 39th and Truce. She's a she has a re, uh, a resale shop for plus size women. She actually got the opportunity to meet with Ed Lotta, the CEO of Goodwill, right? And it's kind of like right. in her lane, and their conversation was like mind blowing, right? Um, but that's why I say we're just the assist, right? They're doing this thing. They're doing it. We're gonna put we're gonna put a link both in Facebook in the comments as well as in the show notes for the podcast, wherever you get your podcast. We're gonna try to hook everybody up with the Facebook pages and websites for all those folks that you're mentioning. Look, Dan, the reason I wanted you on the podcast, this thing's called the Social Leader Podcast. I mean, there are a lot of entrepreneurial podcasts out there, a lot of killer ones in Kansas City, by the way. But you're doing something different because you are a social leader. There is a social mission to what you're doing. It's not just about being an accelerator, an entrepreneurial support group. You actually have a mission and you are driven by a greater purpose and your, your methodology of implementation has that larger systems change vision. So I wanna pivot a little bit to talk about social leadership itself. What's your vision for leadership and how do you go about trying to integrate your social priorities into your leadership lane in life? Hmm. That's a really good and very loaded question. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I lead by example. 
right? And I know that sounds simple. No, I agree with that. That's probably the hardest thing to do, that authenticity. You do do that. It is. And I think that we lose that. Like, you know, we we come from, you know, I used to say, like, there was this Harvard business mentality um, where, you know, it was kind of like a, um, I, it's a whip, uh, more of a crack the whip type situation uh, from a leadership perspective. And it was more, it's always about like, how much can you squeeze out of somebody? Uh, mm. How much effort can you squeeze out of this, this person or this group or, or this company? Um, and I just feel like that's not the way. Uh, and we've changed. Um, things have changed a lot substantially in the last, I'd say, 10 to 15 years as it relates to leadership, not necessarily from a, um, not necessarily from a, a, a race perspective, but more of a, um, the way that you handle people perspective. Um, what do you I mean by that? What do you mean by that? You know, there's the, like, like, um, they're the CEO of, of, um, Wells Fargo, right? Out a few days ago, and he says um, that there's not enough black people prepared to get into C-suite. That's the reason why there's a lack of diversity in in in, in uh, C-suites across the world, country. Basically, you agree with that? I don't. There are a lot of talented black people out here, that's right? Yeah. Um, and so that's what I mean by that hasn't changed, right? We don't. I think they, the the calculation was one percent uh, of all Fortune five hundred companies were led by uh, a, a person of color, or not a person of color, a black person. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think it was one percent, and so I think that's wrong, right? That's still wrong, but they've grown in the way that you treat people. Right, they've it's become less uh, crack the whip e and more uh, come to this fun space. And I think a part of that has been because of the tech boom and the young folks and the insurgent of young people. I mean, there's all kind of reasons why those things have changed. But right, we still got a a, a large uh, mountain to climb. Right, we're still not represented well. So um, I think that leading by example means more. Uh, than, than any other way uh, or form uh, of leadership out there. If you don't see me out there doing it, um, then how can you understand, how, how do you know it's possible if you don't see somebody doing it? Right. You can't be what you can't see. Yeah, okay. absolutely. So let me ask you this, though. In your in your social leadership, again, you could have just gone to work for any other you know, startup support group. You started this one. You and your co-founder had a vision for what the world could be and what you kind of the dent you wanted to make in the universe. As a social leader, Dan, what do you want to be different next week because of what you're doing this week? I want to see more black businesses in our urban core um, that is accepted that are successful, that are able to employ folks, they're able to self-sustain, uh, and it looks, and it's a respected organization, a respected company. Um, a lot of black what keeps people from achieving that, like specifically, because what are you going to change? I agree with you, 
but mm -hmm. you're offering a lot of training, a lot of network, a lot of support. Why it's, isn't that happening yet? It's a mind shift change. It's a mind shift change. Um, it's a change in um, a perceptive reality um, because I don't feel like a ton of people, there's so much struggle in this, right? Mm. There's so much struggle in business ownership that there's a, a lot of people that are not necessarily built for it, but there's also people that possibly are built for it, but they just don't know. And they just right. need an extra push and an extra, uh, you know, the guidance, right? Like Deron Cooper, like I pump D Cooper, I call him D Coop. I, I pump D Coop up a lot, but it's not superficial. It's legit. Like right. this guy is a talented guy. Right. But and his business is rocking it and deserves I, the, the right. scale. But I don't know that he really knows that. I think he, he likes what he does. I think he has fun with what he does. I think he's learning it now. So let me don't don't uh, let me back off of that. And decoop, don't get mad at me that I'm using yeah, you he's as a blow up the comments right now. Um, so, but I just think that at one point he doesn't have he didn't have as much uh, faith in himself as others had in him, and so that's what we want to create across the board, right? We have faith in a lot more people than than they have faith in themselves. And we want to be their cheerleaders. And so we want to help them get whatever that hurdle is that they get over. We want to help them with it. So be a communication, right? Just being able to effectively communicate uh, mm -hmm. what business is about, be it uh, storytelling, right? Like brand management, all that good stuff, but also your books, right? Financials matter. Um, yeah. You can't be afraid of those things because sometimes, uh, and, and it happens, it's understandable. It's a lot of people that are afraid of, uh, cracking open the book, yeah. right? Um, but we have to in order to be a successful company or a successful business. It has you to. You know, I think one of the things in leadership that you're bringing out that is definitely a core part of um, what I teach in the, the Social Leader Essentials e-course is that we've got to embrace this idea of a strength-based leadership approach. And by mm -hmm. that, I don't mean like strength finder Clifton. By that, I mean like what social workers do day in and day out rather than looking at the deficit in yourself or the deficit in your team or the deficit in the entrepreneur that you're working with, looking at the assets they do have and starting there and yes. looking at the person and saying like, okay, you don't have this, but you do have this. So let's not focus on the deficit. But a lot of times I think, especially as businesses grow if leaders don't learn to shift that mindset like you're talking about, they'll constantly take that deficit-based approach with their words, even though their heart is a strength-based approach. But so you know, you know, it's, it's hard. It's hard to do if you're if you are um, humble, if you are uh, very giving, very uh, others-oriented. It's hard to do that sometimes, right? And a lot of folks in the community that I come from, and I've had these conversations a lot where folks want to create uh, nonprofit organizations and with no profitability in mind. Yeah, right? by the way, there are 9,000 nonprofits in Kansas City by the recent count. I don't think we need any more. Go start That's a social venture. <laughs> 
But that, and, that's, and that's what I'm saying. So, like, you know, how do we how do we get folks to understand their value and not in and just in other people? I, I'll share this story, too. And that, this kind of hits home on this point. Like uh, my master's degree, I, I had a, I created a, uh, my one of my classes. You had to create uh, a, a, um, a fictitious business, a fictitious company. And, uh, you know, from top to bottom or whatever the case may be, do a business plan and all that good stuff. So I did that. But it was a nonprofit organization. It's like we were talking about. It was a, it was a nonprofit. And it was focused on, on fathers. Right. Because I felt like there was a, at that time it was a deficit. And, you know, not, not a lot of fathers in a lot of young people's uh, lives. But I wanted to pinpoint reasons why. Right. And there was a social piece, uh, a comfortability piece and all this other stuff. And the reason why. So I took this, I had uh, got an opportunity to go to UMKC. I forgot the name of the program, but there's a program to help you evolve your business, right? My professor referred me to this group uh, because he thought it was a really great uh, idea, a really great plan. And so I went and I shared my vision uh, with the group. And uh, one of the advisors said, well, this is a for-profit only um, program. You have to have a for-profit business to be a part of this program. And I said, okay, cool. And my job was scholarshiped into this program. So I didn't have to pay anything out of my pocket or anything. Um, he said, come back tomorrow and you have to have a for-profit business created, even an idea. And we can, we can build off of that, but we can't use this, this program, right? We can't use this fatherhood program. It just doesn't, doesn't matter. I okay. couldn't figure it out. My mind was so stuck on this, 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 this fatherhood thing that, I um, I came back and I said, hey, you know, is there any way that I can just make this a for profit? You know, does this I mean, can I just change? And I mean, mind you, I was 21, 22, something like that. I was like, I just, sure. you know, this is what I have. And he said, you know, he said, go out, figure out a way to make money and you can create as many nonprofits as you want after you make the money that you need to make. Right. Sure. That's a good approach sometimes. And that stuck with me. And, you know, I was like I said, I was young and, and, it, and, it, and it stuck with me. But I see a lot of people in, in, in my community wanting to start nonprofit organizations and want to support and help other people. And I get it. I understand. Um, we're in the same boat, obviously. But at the end of the day, um, it's you also have to support yourself. we got to figure out a way uh, to support you in the community. And, and you make more uh, by being able to hire folks. From the community, right, right. come from uh, rather than just giving you know a small support. A PHK is a, a nonprofit, also, right? It is. So, what's your sustainability plan moving forward? Is there a for-profit element to that? So we do. We're gonna have. There's a retail. There's a retail element. We actually are uh, with the with the partnership with Chessing. We we purchased a space right off of Thirty uh, First and Truce. So the entrepreneurs that go through our program that are retail focused entrepreneurs, they are going to be able to sell products out of that space on the first floor, second floor. There's a co-working. Uh, there's going to be a co-working space. And that's the partnership that we have with PlexPod uh, because they're going to come in and they're actually going to help us uh, with that that space upstairs. Um, so, yeah, there's 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 a there's a profitable profitable piece to that, too. So. Yeah, that's incredible. Well, I want to wrap up. I always end every podcast with this question, and that is this. If there are people listening right now who want to learn how to lead with greater social impact, what would you 
teach them? What tips do you have for them to learn how to lead with greater social impact as a social leader? You have two or three things you can leave us with? I say be open. One thing is be open, be flexible. Um, not everybody comes from where you come from. Right. That's on both sides of the tracks. So from my perspective, I'm going to give you an example of what I mean by that. Um, okay. So to help me with this. My co-founder had to help me with this because I didn't want to talk to people that didn't that didn't come from the spaces that I was in or that that didn't look like us. Um, and I'm being a little vulnerable right now. Like I I had to get outside of my own way uh, to be able to to grow what we're trying to grow uh, because I felt like um, I had a target audience, folks that I wanted to speak with and to, uh, and then there was other people that didn't necessarily fit into that and I didn't feel like it was necessary to talk to those folks, right? Uh, but there's so much value in connection. There's so much value in being open. And so I had to learn that. Um, so be open, both sides of the tracks, be open, uh, be able to invite somebody. I'm, I'm open to inviting people into our space. Uh, and I'm not talking about a physical space. I'm literally talking about what we're uh, trying to accomplish. We're inviting people into our spaces. Um, live in fear, live through fear, right? We're afraid of things. And that kind of goes, plays back into that being open thing. Um, be okay with, with living in and through, uh, through fear. Um, and lastly, just be creative, man. Create. I love creativity. Just, just push. We got a lot of folks out there that are scared to be uh, online, to put their picture, put a picture out there. And it's uncomfortable. I get it. Um, but again, that's living through that fear. So, you know. I'll never forget, man. You came into Thelma's Kitchen right after we first met each other. You know the story I'm going to tell you. And you were rocking yeah. this amazing little Osmo Pocket DGI pocket gimbal. And I was like, that is the coolest camera I've ever seen. And so being the fanboy that I am, I went out and I bought one and you were like, you were such an encouragement to me. I mean, I love this stuff, but it does, it does take a little bit of kind of breaking through the fear to go ahead and say like, look, I'm going to let it hang out there. I'm going to be raw. I'm going to be authentic. And you know, that's what everybody wants anyway. They don't want the polished corporate IBM version. Right. So and those are great tips. And, and I really appreciate you bringing your heart. And uh, I appreciate the work that you're doing because we need to focus, especially in light of Corona and especially in light of the impact economically of the pandemic and, and everything that we're going through as a country right now. We absolutely need good jobs. We need great entrepreneurs. We need to be buying local. We need to be buying from our neighbors and we need each other right now more than ever. It's all about relationship. And it kind of takes me all the way back to one of the first points you made, which is about networking, living in and through and transforming through that fear and just getting out and get to know people and support people. So Dan, thank you for the work that you do with your partners at the Porterhouse KC. Thank you for being you. And uh, thank you for coming on the Social Leader Podcast. You are an awesome example of a social leader here in Kansas City. Appreciate you so much, man. Well, thank you for having me. I so appreciate it. Uh, you, you, we, we have great conversation anyway uh, beyond this. And I know we've been talking about trying to have more of these conversations. So I'm excited yep. to 
to, to tap in. D Coop, thank you for tuning in. Chuck, I see you. Rick uh, and Sharon, appreciate you guys tapping in with us. Absolutely. Hey, man, hang with me and we'll be right back. Thanks again for joining us today. Appreciate it. Well, guys, we finished another episode of the Social Leader Podcast, and I have a huge favor to ask you. If you thought this was a good conversation, please hit the like button, share it out, share it out in groups. If you're watching on Facebook, make sure that you comment and tag other people in there. If you're watching on Twitter, Periscope, YouTube, whatever you got to do, follow, like, and share. We want to make sure that we can get the Social Leadership Podcast out to as many people as possible. Once again, thanks again also to the folks who were reading. I saw uh, Stephanie Smith and a couple of other people chime in there. Stephanie, thanks for saying great discussion. Stephanie is absolutely a social justice warrior in Kansas City, as her picture shows. She's doing incredible work here. But hey, listen, share this out. And lastly, if you are inspired by the kind of things we talked about today, and if you want to learn to lead with greater social impact in your leadership lane, please go visit thesocialleader.org, thesocialleader.org. Check out the new e-course, The Social Leader Essentials, that we just published. You're going to learn about how to think with a social venturing mindset. You're going to learn how to move from intentions and charitable ideas to operationalize and actualize your social priorities. You're going to learn to root out bias in yourself and in your team. And you're going to learn how to think with a trauma-informed and strength-based leadership approach. Go out to thesocialleader.org. And once again, 100% of that e-course goes to fuel and support the, the social and mental health service work that we're doing here in Kansas City through Reconciliation Services. So, hey, once again, thanks for joining us on this episode of The Social Leader. And until next time, let's all learn together to lead with greater social impact. See you soon. <music>